It's 7.45 on a Saturday morning, which means it's time for our wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hello, Denny. How are things going? Things are going quite well. I had a good week. I know a lot of folks had uh, some issues with the storms and all of that. I hope you had a good week. I had a very good week and no issues with the storm, but it was interesting to watch. I should say. Indeed. Say, Denny, you know, I've always said that we have the most educated listening audience at WCCO. We do. And the mystery, and we talked about some time ago about the drink of bootleg, and whether it was invented at Minnecata Club or Woodhill Club or somewhere else, etc. It was a country club drink. Well, this week I got an email from a Dave Hell, and Dave Hell wrote that his grandfather, Walt Albers, actually invented the drink, the bootleg. At the time, it was called a bootlegger, and it was indeed in the 30s, uh, but it was after Prohibition. I thought it was made during Prohibition. And what had happened, he was the head bartender at Woodhill, and he happened to grow mint as a hobby. And uh, Dave remembers, because his grandfather uh, would take him along and help him pick the mint. And, the, of course, the original recipe for a bootlegger was gin. You put in bootleg gin and then fill it up with club soda. And, of course, that makes sense, too, because gin was very popular at that time. And vodka and rum, which are more popular today in a bootleg, were kind of exotic at, back in the late 30s. He also, his grandfather also told a story about some member had Bob Hope out in the early 40s to play golf at Woodhill. And after golf, he suggested to Mr. Hope that he try a bootlegger. Well, he tried one, loved it, had a second, and then he asked if he could have the recipe because uh, he thought it was absolutely delicious and he wanted his club to make it out in California, and maybe he could even market it. Well, they, the fellow said, well, you have to talk to Walt Albers. He's the one who created this. And he has the recipe. Well, Walt didn't happen to like Bob Hope, and he said no. <laughs> His grandson many years later <laughs> said, did you ever regret that, Grandpa? He said, no, I never thought the guy was very funny. So here is, to Walt Albers, we have solved the problem of the bootleg or bootlegger and how it was created. And I'm very thankful to his grandson for sending me all that information. What a great story. It is a good story. Well, today I thought I'd talk about storing wine. You know, we've had all this unusual weather, and uh, storing wine, unfortunately, an awful lot of wine is ruined or impaired by having been badly stored. However, a lot of this occurs before you get the wine. But when you have the wine in your control, in your possession, what's the best way to store it? Well, let's start with the best. Uh, way to follow up on that, and that's get, the wine needs to be kept cool. Wine should be kept between about oh fifty eight and sixty eight degrees. Any type temperature in there is just fine for storing wine. So, and wine also is a very durable thing. It isn't very fragile. A lot of people think it's just fragile and uh, it'll fall apart after a while. Not really. It's pretty durable. Wines need a little humidity. Some people recommend a lot of humidity, but we really need enough humidity to keep the corks from drying out. When you have less than 30% 
humidity, the cork or the closure starts to dry out, and you'll experience cork shrinkage. And when you have that shrinkage, often you have seepage where the wine comes out of the cork, and also you can get oxidation, and that's a bad thing for most wines. You see it in white wines where you have a wine that's kind of brown instead of clear or crisp uh, color. It's browning, and oftentimes uh, that means that the wine has been oxidized and is over the hill. The biggest thing to watch out for with storing wine is light and movement. Uh, Wines hate light, they hate heat, and they hate vibration. So if you can avoid uh, all three of those, direct light, heat, and vibration, you have a pretty good place uh, in mind to store your wines. There's a lot of different ways to store wines. Uh, We're fortunate to live in an area that's kind of cold and damp. So we have perfect cellar conditions here in Minnesota and Wisconsin and even in the Dakotas. Uh, As long as you can insulate that wine from the house. The temperature of Earth is about 56 degrees. And that's a normal temperature if you dig down 20 feet or so in the ground. That's the temperature year-round. It doesn't change very much, that temperature of Earth. And so if you have a a cellar in your home, uh, you're already halfway there. Most cellars aren't 20 feet deep, but you don't have to go down that far. You really just have to get below the frost line to get that cool temperature. And as I said, we're fortunate that we're in a cold, damp climate, or what's considered a cold, damp climate, because if you have a cellar in your house, The key is to insulate that room or cellar where you're going to store wine from the rest of the house. Avoid the temperature of the house, the heating and all that. And then by doing that, you're also avoiding any temperature swings. Uh, So I always tell people to take a good hard look at their own basement before they start to invest in uh, building a fancy wine cellar. You know, if you're going to build a cellar in your house or apartment, there's some key factors to take into account when you're designing it. Size, the temperature, noise, aesthetics, all of those things play a role in that. And what you want to do is have something that is indicative of your collection or your interest in wine, etc. If you have a real interest in wine and buy wine to drink years from now, etc., then you're going to need a more elaborate uh, set up than someone who just wants the wine to have for accessibility. And uh, for the wines that want accessibility, these wine refrigerators work very, very well. You can buy a real little one that holds about a dozen bottles of wine for about a hundred bucks, and they work just fine. Or you can buy a bigger one and uh, that holds maybe 200, 250 bottles of wine, and they work fine too. But be, with those bigger ones, you have to put them in an area where uh, they have good ventilation all the way around it. So it's hard to put those up against a wall unless you've somehow arranged for ventilation behind that wall. So remember that when you're having those installed, those big uh, refrigerators. And they work very well if you have, uh, say, a second home in Florida or in Arizona or one of those places where heat is really a problem. When, when you're storing your wine. And of course, you can always use off-site storage for wine. We even store wine at our uh, one of our stores 
for a slight fee, and you can go in and go out and take stuff. But when you store wine off-site, you eliminate a lot of spontaneity. In other words, uh, someone's come over and they're going to have a baby, or they've just uh, got a promotion or something, and you want to celebrate with a bottle of wine. Well, unfortunately, you might have it in your off-site storage, so you can't pop it open right now. But those off-site stories, if you have a lot of wine and you're kind of invested in it, they're a very, very good alternate use. Uh, if you live in an apartment, put that wine in the center of the apartment uh, close to the floor That is that for immediate storage. That's just great. A rack over your refrigerator in the kitchen, while it looks nice, is probably the worst place in a house to store wine. You get all that heat from the refrigerator rising up and baking that wine on top of the refrigerator. So if you have a rack on top of your refrigerator right now, put empty bottles and it'll still look cute and find a better place to store the wine because it'll just wreck the wine. And like I said, if we're so fortunate in my opinion, that in our area, a basement is such a good place to store wine because I have an old house uh, in Minneapolis and it's over 120 years old or something like that, and we've lived there 50 years. I've never lost a bottle of wine, and I don't have a fancy wine cellar, but I have a corner of the house that's completely insulated from the heat of the house, and that temperature probably runs anywhere from, say, in the dead of winter to about, oh, maybe 58, 60 degrees, to the height of summer, it may get up to 68 or 69 degrees. But the good thing about that is that temperature is so, a change is so gradual, it has no deleterious effect on the wine whatsoever. So, and what about keeping wines in the refrigerator? Well, that's fine if you want to refrigerate them for a party or something. But long-range storage in a refrigerator, the refrigerator is just too cold. Uh, Anyhow, using any of these is far better than doing absolutely nothing about your wine uh, in the refrigerator. But storing wine can be simple, easy, and not very complicated. Wine is a living thing, but thank heavens it's a very durable thing. And a, and a tip, really, on a storing wine, <clears throat> you know, if you open a bottle of wine and you're only drinking a little of it at one time and it's a screw cap, you can screw that cap back on or if it's a cork wine, put the cork back in the bottle and let it sit someplace cool and dark and it'll be good for a couple of days usually. Uh, the, the only wines that really go over the hill real badly overnight like that are older wines, and generally wines that are more expensive. So you can cap up wine to store your uh, leftovers, and it works out just fine. And that home storage is really just a very good idea. You can buy wine when it's on sale and store it. Uh, You always have wine for people that drop in for a special occasion. (coughs) As I mentioned, that spontaneity is that. And one other tip about storing and having wine is don't waste a whole bottle to open up a bottle of wine because the recipe calls for three or four tablespoons and you don't know when you're going to get around to drinking the wine, but you want to do the recipe. And a lot of people are doing that right now. Get a good bottle of very dry French vermouth. 
and leave that in the kitchen and use that every time something calls for wine. I learned that tip from Julia Child. I've done it myself for years and years and years. Anytime it calls for deglazing a pan with wine, just use that vermouth. Because after all, vermouth is nothing more than wine that has been flavored with spices and things like that. So it's already wine, and it's already flavored wine, and it adds an interesting dimension, whether you're deglazing a pan for shrimp or fish, or for that matter, even uh, pork chops or something along those lines. So for deglazing, even though it'll call for the wine that you're going to serve with the meal, if you're not serving the wine and you don't want to open a wine, Use a bottle of vermouth. And vermouth, oh. incidentally, while it does have uh, longevity, because it'll last in your kitchen as you open it for up to maybe as long as 30 days, it doesn't last forever. A lot of people seem to think vermouth does last forever. Well, it really doesn't. But you, it's a good substitute if you're oh. cooking with something that calls for deglazing a pan with wine. Use dry vermouth. That's a great idea. Well, Jack, uh, we get some more ideas. Just stop in any one of the Haskell's locations, right? Yes, the folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine, and whether you're talking about storage or wine you want to have with barbecued ribs that evening, go and see the folks at Haskell's. Not only will they put you in touch with a wonderful wine that will enhance the meal, they'll put you in touch with a wine that will not break the bank. It'll be affordable. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington. There's a Haskell's in Excelsior and Faribault right off of 35. <clears throat> Our Maple Grove cellar is not to be missed. It's a huge store, 22,000 square feet. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com, and all this information is there. And don't forget... The folks at Haskell's, if you're planning an event down the pike after this pandemic is all over, uh, folks at Haskell's love to plan parties for you. So if you're having an event, you can contact them, and they'll tell you just how much you need. And the folks at Haskell's just love to do just that, help you out. Absolutely, Jack. Let's get some more help and talk next week. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Thank you, Jack.